an article on voluntary benefits mm. and he had his name on it which shocked everybody because it shocked me um but he was lending his voice to what is wrong with this industry my side of the industry and how he would correct it and yeah. i just took that advice and said i agree i'm gonna do it All right, guys. Well, I'm here with Eric Silverman, the founder of Voluntary Disruption and a man of many talents as well. But Eric, it's it's good to finally have you on the couch, man. I feel like I wanted to to get you on an episode a long time ago and we we're finally ma able to make the scheduling happen. So welcome, sir. Oh, man. Thanks for having me. I, I tell you what, did you make the color of this couch my favorite color on purpose? What? No, I didn't. But we discovered how close to your favorite color it was earlier because you were wearing what? We'll go Dude, ahead and reveal I a, why. I, I, I wore my favorite orange polo shirt yeah. and I looked and it would have been like the green screen it would have been orange on orange yeah, green a little on green floating would not head work. on the white wall yeah, yeah. no so. Well, so why do you let's go ahead and cover the fact that you are a very very serious baltimore orioles fan right? i am you know i'm a baseball fan in general um really just diehard baseball i didn't grow up playing any other sport whether that's good or bad or indifferent i really don't know um my wife and I try to make sure our kids are multifaceted when it comes to sports that they try at least once. But I didn't have that. So my dad put me in baseball since I was like T-ball age, and I never looked back. I was never very good, but I loved the sport. I'm not kidding. People ask me all the time, oh, you must be a Baltimore Ravens fan. No. Not really. Yeah. Uh, you, you must uh, like the Washington Wizards basketball. No. I don't pay attention to any other sport other than well, baseball. how deeply do you get into following the Orioles during a season? Right, how I'm, closely? Uh, there's literally baseball season and winter, okay. and that's it. And that's it. And even during winter, I'm watching what they call the hot stove, which is the trades and updates and the okay. and the uh, free agent signings. So, uh, Baltimore Orioles first, but I tell you what, um, I just like baseball. I like good players. I like good athletes. Uh, I like the I like the sport. Very cool, man. Why? Well, I, I kind of knew that about you, but I didn't really know uh, the severity of your fanship, <laughs> if you will, until I saw the wardrobe the last couple of days, and you always have orange on, except for right now because Something. we had to make you well, do tra I? trade your oh, – I don't know. You might have orange well. underwear on. I presume that's probably <laughs> the case. <laughs> well, outside of, though, uh, obviously your love for the Orioles, man, I do want to hear – some of your backstory. I think you have a very interesting story, but I want to get to know you, a person, before we talk about your, your businesses. So could you give us a brief synopsis of who Eric Silverman is? Sure. So um, uh, I've been in the employee benefits business for nearly 24 years at this point. As crazy as that sounds. And I'm only 29 years old. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it's yeah. weird. Super yeah. weird. Forever 29. You didn't have to go to kindergarten or anything? No, just no, right into just, benefits. Okay. I was an accelerated program. Um, so... I, uh, I started in the benefits industry um, by accident, like most people, probably almost all your guests in the benefits world started by accident. Yeah. So I'll spare that story. But the reality is I started as a college intern, uh, shuffling paperwork, filing claims for a, a big uh, producer and a big insurance carrier, and um, started the sales side, enjoyed it, made a lot of money, graduated college. My dad said, hey, when are you going to get a real job? Meanwhile, I said, I have a real job. He said, it's commission only. I said, I have a real job. Mm -hmm. It's my career. I'm making money. I'm enjoying life. He thought I was crazy. Flash forward about less than a year after graduating, and he was asking me, no joke, to buy him a truck. <laughs> because that's how well I was doing. That's awesome. And um, uh, I did not buy him a truck. Yeah. I bought him a lot of other stuff. I did not buy him a truck. Well, so and what, what were you selling at the time in that commission only uh, job? Yeah, uh, what the industry still to this day, uh, the status quo industry still calls voluntary benefits, mm -hmm. uh, supplemental worksite, um, ancillary, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't use those terms. I think 
uh, quite frankly, and I've written articles about it. I speak on stages about it. Uh, word choice is paramount. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the word choice voluntary benefits is about as dumb as it can be. Okay. Uh, particularly these days, anything on earth is voluntary. It's voluntary for me to sit here. It's voluntary for you to have me on. Mm-hmm. It's voluntary for an employee to um, choose what benefit they want, whether it's a partially employer funded or employer funded. It's voluntary what uh, uh, soda they choose to get from the machine. Everything's voluntary. Why mm-hmm. would you pick a certain benefit and call that a voluntary benefit? The reality is that undermines the importance of those benefits. So when I was um, in the quote unquote voluntary benefits industry as a carrier rep, and I've been a recovering carrier rep for the last eight years, um, and I say that with all seriousness because I had to recover, mm-hmm. um, the reality is I looked at the industry and realized that uh, employees were getting a bad connotation in their mind mm-hmm. because they're thinking it's um, it's just extra, it's not needed, it's not important, it's not important. And I started using the term enhanced benefits. I'm passionate about the word enhanced benefits because if you look up the dictionary definition of voluntary, supplemental, ancillary, they all have negative undertones. Every single one of them has negative undertones. And the word enhanced is proper in my opinion, just my opinion, because when I'm working with an advisor client, a broker partner client of mine, because that's how we market, we'll get into that later, we're just there to supplement, but we're there to enhance and help what they're currently doing with their medical. Okay. And as we all know, even the the best well-intentioned and the best designed medical plan does not cover every last nickel that needs to be covered. Yeah. And it's never going to pay your groceries when you're uh, out of work. And it's never going to um, give you money to pay your car payment. Yeah, when I like the term enhanced benefits, and it's, it's actually rare that I'll know exactly what the episode's going to be uh, titled five minutes into the discussion, but I think this will be the enhanced benefits episode with Eric Silverman. But I like the way that you sort of, it's not a spin. I don't think you're twisting the words. You're simply reframing the perspective to say this is an enhancement to your benefit pack. It's not necessarily some sort of supplement, which doesn't necessarily have the same image being conveyed in my mind of the importance of that benefit. Pareto Health is the manager of the largest employee benefits group captive in the United States. And it's also now the main sponsor of the Self-Funded with Spencer podcast. I chose to partner with Pareto Health for three main reasons. Number one, their dedication to improving the world of health benefits. Number two, their mission to reduce volatility and to make self-funding simple for mid-sized employers. And number three, the strength and scale of their program. With over 2,300 member groups and more than $1 billion of stop-loss premium under management, Pareto Health is the most robust solution of its kind in the country, period. Stay tuned for more information because I'm sure I'll be featuring them on an episode of the podcast very soon. Visit Pareto Health at ParetoHealth.com or follow them on LinkedIn to stay up to date on the latest news and developments. It really, it goes back to word choice is paramount. I mean, that's the key. And um, when an employee has the frame of mind, when it's framed properly, that this is an enhancement to your current plan. It's not designed to take away. It's I'm not telling anybody not to have medical insurance uh, or any traditional program. All I'm simply saying is literally, here's some other benefit options that are on the menu of choice. Um, Some of them are employee funded. Um, I don't like to say uh, voluntary either when it comes to that. I say employee funded. I say employer funded. Mm-hmm. All right. So some of them are employee funded. Some of, their, uh, some of them are shared expense. So employer and employee funded contribution. Some of them are employer funded. All it is is to make the current medical plan um, richer and more generous. Mm-hmm. And look at it this way. I look at it as um, 
And I'm okay with this, by the way. Um, uh, you know what a Fabergé egg is? Yes. A lot of people, uh, I guess there are a lot of people that collect them. They put it up on a pedestal and it's like, oh, look at this beautiful piece of art, right? All right. To me, that's how medical insurance is viewed. It's that Fabergé egg. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. You don't want to use it because it'll break you, right? Uh -huh, yeah, for sure. But in general, it's there, okay? Yeah. All we're doing is we're spotlighting it. We're putting the, the the light, the glow on it. We're saying, we agree with you. It's important. You have to have it. It's You want to have it. It's needed. But there are things that it's not going to do. Mm -hmm. You want to enhance the uh, the current plan that you have. I love that. And so before we move on, you calling yourself a recovering carrier rep, mm -hmm. you had some success during that time, which you, I think you alluded yeah. to earlier. And I'm sure during that time, you enjoyed <laughs> uh, doing that. But what was the point where you go, I just can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. What was there a recognition of you didn't enjoy the work or you sure. thought you could do it better outside of the industry? What was that decision-making process like? So I did very, very well. I mean, we were doing, um, uh, multiple tens of millions every single year in new sales. I was running the largest operation for the carrier that I was with for more than a decade straight. You name the award, you name the trip, you name the bonus. I got it. Nobody's crying me a river for making money or not making money. Um, I made a lot of mistakes. I think I did a lot of good, but I definitely made a lot of mistakes, both in managing and leading people at a young age. And also, uh, and I regret a lot of that, by the way, but also in the way I went about business. It was all money, money, money. It was show me the money 24-7, quotas, you name it, bonuses. Mm. I needed them. I wanted them. Um, what changed for me uh, was a few years prior to uh, leaving is that the carrier started managing um, their 1099 workforce more like a W-2 workforce. And I didn't sign up for that. That's not what I wanted. And I, um, uh, I had a lot of... Um, uh, uh, challenges with that. We'll keep it that way. And uh, ultimately, I realized, you know what, I'm losing business. I have broker, advisor, client partners that were giving me business, and we were not getting as much as we used to. We were losing business to competitors because I was not agnostic. I was completely a carrier rep through and through. We're the best carrier. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. This is all that's out there. We're the best. Beat your chest. Rah, mm -hmm. rah, rah. Mm -hmm. And I realized, you know what, that's silly. I don't even know what's out in the marketplace, but I'm going to go find out. Mm -hmm. So I left, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. wasn't a money thing. And I realized that ultimately there were ways to go about my side of the industry to the same fashion and tune that guys that I was meeting, like David Contorno and folks like that, were doing for medical. So David shining this big old light um, on um, on medical and transparency and fee for service and uh, fully insured is bad and self funded is good. And I didn't even know what that stuff meant. Mm -hmm. I quickly learned. I became friends with a lot of these folks in the industry. They became friends and partners and clients. And I thought to myself, geez, there's got to be a way to shed light on the enhanced benefit industry to do uh, benefits and plan design and enrollment and technology in a very open and transparent and fluid way to garner uh, better engagement among the workforce without employees leaving a one-on-one, -on -one, quote unquote, voluntary employee enrollment feeling like they just talked to a used car salesperson, okay. feeling like they bought a ton of crap that they don't know what they bought and they're gonna have buyer's remorse two weeks later or the next day. Mm -hmm. So I worked like an animal to put that together over those next many years while I was building this business because I knew that the only way I would ever work with a guy like David and others like him all over the country is if I could show and prove that I was truly unique and doing it differently. Yeah. And um, 
And I appreciate guys like that because they're my client advisor partners. They trust me with some of their largest groups that they have in their book of business. And I think it's because I'm not a traditional carrier rep. I'm certainly not, I'm not a carrier rep at all, but I'm certainly not an enrollment firm either. Well, and I like what you mentioned. You mentioned you talked about David Contorno and there's many like him, but not quite like David. Let's, let's admit that. Um, <laughs> Hi, David. It, yeah, it, I, I love David. And I love what he's doing for our industry. But not everybody can also replicate exactly what David is doing because it's very specialized, very highly skilled. But it's also that fee-for-service mentality. It's it's sort of disentangling, if you will, the way right. that brokers, consultants get paid from the carriers and having the employer who's ultimately receiving that service from a, a person like and David. And I don't have yeah. that. Yeah, when I'm so, not saying, and yeah. I, all I was going to kind of close my thought is, it's just shining, you mentioned shining the light. There are ways to do that. I think Trevor kind of has talked about in an episode prior with Granite Peak is kind of also shining the light. You simply wanted to shine a light in a different direction on what you thought you could bring value to, and you were able to do that. So, uh, and I don't want to make it all about him, but it is a funny story. So I first met David, and, and he didn't know what I did. He found out, and he goes, ah, I hate volunteer insurance. I hate, and he named the carrier I was with. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. And uh, he would tell you, if he's sitting here, he'd say the same thing. And I had to try to uh, explain to him what I was doing. I mean, ultimately, when I left the carrier, I had to unskin myself mm -hmm. from the carrier. Mm -hmm. I was that brand. I didn't have a brand. We talk about personal branding all the time, yeah. you and I offline. There was no personal brand. It was, I'm the ex-carrier. I'm the, mm -hmm. that's it. So when I left, I needed to put together a personal brand, which I think I did. But the reality is it took a while. Uh, it was an overnight success that took years. And the reality is... I didn't want to be badged as a carrier. I didn't want to be badged as an enrollment firm. And I'll never forget, I emailed David and I said, hey, David, I'm writing an article uh, for um, uh, Benefits Pro Magazine uh, for Paul Wilson. I didn't know him well at the time. And I said, um, uh, and he had just come off a of winning broker of the year a couple years earlier. Um, and I said, David, will you take a look at what I wrote? And then ultimately, would you be open to co-authoring it with me? Because I want your perspective. Um, and he looked at it and he had some tweaks and we ended up co-authoring of all things an article on this is before i called it enhanced benefits an article on voluntary benefits mm. and he had his name on it which shocked everybody because it shocked me um but he was lending his voice to what is wrong with this industry my side of the industry and how he would correct it and yeah. i just took that advice and said I agree. I'm going to do it. Let's go and do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so that that's a nice segue into voluntary disruption. And one of the things I know we really wanted to stress today is you have an amazing, I would say, I would agree, an amazing solution. But we, I want to hear what voluntary disruption does, does because I think it's super unique. The model that you've created is really heavy on communication and making sure people understand the value. And so I want to hear just directly from the horse's mouth, you know, what is voluntary disruption? Who do you help and, and how does it work? I'll be the horse. You can, yeah. Okay. Please, yeah. You are the horse. <laughs> I'm the horse. That's okay. Yeah. We call worse. Yeah. Trust me. Um, appreciate that question. So um, let me tell you what I'm not. Let's start there. I'm not a carrier rep. We represent um, insane amounts of carriers and solution providers. Shout out to Trevor. Um, uh, we work with him, but uh, he and I don't like the word vendors. Um, so we work with a lot of solution providers that provide ultimate solutions for brokers and employer groups all over the country and their employees. We work with carriers, but we're not married to a single one. And we also, and I can talk about it in a second, but we also don't take uh, bonuses either. Um, so we're not um, uh, we're not here trying to put a lot of volume with one certain carrier just to get a production bonus, which we both know mm -hmm. is out there. Mm -hmm. It's a challenge, mm -hmm. right? 
So I'm not that. I'm also not an enrollment firm. So a traditional enrollment firm, uh, by definition, is um, uh, you bring in an enrollment firm for a mid-sized, larger, mega-sized group. Enrollment counselors go sit down one-on-one with every employee, and they hornswoggle, excuse me, try to sell them <laughs> some proper benefits that they um, should potentially consider. Uh, wait, what did I say? Um, I so it. ultimately, that's a traditional enrollment firm. They A lot of them are virtual now where the you know it's a mandatory call center operation. I'm not that. People confuse me with carriers, uh, carrier reps, and enrollment firms all the time. What we are, Voluntary Disruption, is a marketing agency that just happens to get paid through the revenue share off the top line with broker, advisor, consulting, client, partners all over the country. Okay. So explain to me, because you specified the top line. Explain that to, part to me. Yep. So... Um, when I meet a broker and they say they're currently working with a carrier rep or an enrollment firm or something like that, they typically say, yeah, yeah, and my enrollment firm or my carrier rep guy, he or she's a good, good person, um, they, they're paying me 50-50 or 60-40. Um, usually, uh, if it's a lesser amount, the lesser goes to the broker, okay? 70-30, whatever it is, 40 or 30 would go to the broker. And I say, it's fantastic. What's it of? What are you getting paid from? Right. So you're the broker, Spencer. What's it getting paid from? And the typical broker will say, average broker every time says, I don't know what you mean. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, it's your money. What do you mean you don't know what, you, what I mean? Like you're getting, you said they're paying you 40% of the pie. Mm -hmm. What's the total pie? Oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, well, traditionally, and I promise you, if we look you up, Mr. Miss Broker, you're getting paid, use 40%. You're, you're getting paid 40% of basically call it the net because you're getting paid off of one level a lot of these carriers in the <clears throat> voluntary world they are um, setting brokers up on what's known as more of an agent level contract or a career level contract even a broker level contract a lot of times is structured like a career level contract so all that means keep it real simple is you're getting total opportunity to make less money and then you're getting split off of less money yeah what I have set up is I'm more akin to a voluntary enhanced benefit GA where we're getting more money at the top level. We have the, the largest of the largest contracts uh, for the multiple millions of production we're doing every year with all of our carriers. And I don't take an override. I don't believe in multi-level, nothing like that. What I'm doing is I'm saying to a broker, here's 110% of the pie and we're splitting it from the top line mm -hmm. down. Here's 105% top line down. Maybe my contract is only 85%. Okay, but I'll tell you that, and we're splitting from the top down, mm -hmm. um, including bonuses. So it's very rare that I have a carrier bonus, but if and when I do get one, I also believe in the transparency of splitting that bonus. So if a carrier sends you, the broker, uh, a bonus that you earn, I don't need or want a nickel from it. But if and when I get a bonus from a carrier, I am then splitting that bonus to you as a percentage uh, the same way that you were getting paid anyway, because let's face it, if I didn't have your business, if you wouldn't trust me with your clients, I wouldn't have a bonus either yeah, yeah, at all. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, I got multiple six-figure bonuses back in my carrier days, and I, I'm not giving it back. I'm not high, high and mighty. I'm not um, holier than thou. I, like I said, I did a lot great, I think. I did a lot wrong. And I'm telling you right now, it never crossed my mind to take some of my multiple big bonus checks and start divvying it up to brokers that helped me get to the dance. Mm. And I think that was silly. Cause you know what I used to do? I would just um, send them a nice little handwritten thank you card. <laughs> Thanks for business. I would take them for a nice steak dinner once a year. Thanks for that big, big group that made me tons of money. 
it never crossed my mind to let them share in the reward. That's interesting. Yeah. And so was it, and I don't want you to say how you did it or, but how I, well, I'm trying not to ask you how, cause I don't want you to reveal, but you obviously set this up differently than other, than other, um, companies have, which is why you're sort of drawing a delineation between how you get paid and elsewhere. So I can tell you how it, yeah, how I, I if do you it. Don't, I mean, I don't, no, I want to want to share. Yeah. It's simple. So it, it lets, if a broker is supposed to get 30% of the revenue from the top down, it works that way for bonuses. So if I, let's use a round number, right? If we, um, did, uh, uh, uh if we got a check, I've never had a check this large at all since I've started, since I've not been a carrier rep, right? But let's say it was a check for a hundred thousand dollars as a bonus, mm -hmm. right? I would carve out 30% of that bonus. Yep. And that amount, $30,000 is then divided up amongst all the brokers that got me to that bonus. Yeah. And it's to the equal percentage, dollar for dollar, cent for cent on an Excel to see what they get and what they earn. And yeah. I cut them a personal check for my business, for my corporation. Now, I'm so confident in that because it's so cool and I think it's unique that I'll send a broker a check. I've done it before for like $43.17. Mm. And I'll say, broker bonus, thanks so much for your help last year. It was amazing. Yeah. And they'll text, call, or email me say, what the heck is this? And I tell them, I'm like, you probably forgot. But when we met, I told you this is how we operate. Mm -hmm. This forty, and they think it's a joke, and I'm like, it's not a joke. That's what you get. That's your distribution, if you will, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, why would I not give it to you? And I think that's one of the unique propositions that kind of starts to set us apart in the marketplace. Um, and that's just on top of the way that we handle enrollments and technology, which is truly the marquee reason why brokers bring us in. Because to be honest, Spencer. I'm not a believer in it, but any carrier rep, any enrollment firm, even brokers like me, brokers, brokers, that's me, they can do a lot of what I'm doing, but it's the um, proven and guaranteed engagement that we get for brokers and the employer groups that really bring them back over and over and over again. Well, and one of the things that I, the first time I ever actually heard you speak was at you powered uh, two years ago. So not, not the Miami one, but the Arizona one. And you talked about communication for an hour. And right. I'm like, wait, I thought Eric, my naivety, I thought he's in voluntary benefits. I thought he does something in voluntary benefits. And you were clear, you obviously cleared the air during the course of that conversation, but you spoke very heavily on the crucial role that communication plays in these type of products. So can you talk about why you put so much emphasis on communication? PlanSight is a complete game changer in the world of insurance broker. As a broker, you know how time-consuming and error-prone the traditional RFP process can be. But what if I told you there's a better way? PlanSight is the only end-to-end -end RFP solution on the market made specifically for benefits agencies. It's like having a superpower that gets you an average of eight to 10 hours back per employer renewal per year. And the best part, PlanSight supports all carriers, all funding types, and all group sizes for over 20 different benefits. If you're ready to make your RFP process faster, more efficient, and more profitable, it's time to call PlanSight. Visit PlanSight.com now to book a free demo and discover the future of insurance renewals. Dude, when I left the carrier world, I didn't know any better. So trial and error, I was getting on Zoom calls, I was going in-person meetings, and I was meeting with employers through brokers, always through brokers. I, I don't have a direct-to-market approach. So just to clear the air, I don't have cold callers calling business owners and knocking on doors. We're 100% brokers. If brokers and advisors and consultants don't bring us into their existing or new uh, prospect clients, um, 
we don't have a business. So it's okay. all through brokers. Um, now, with that said, I was getting on there and doing PowerPoints and, and screen shares and showing them stuff about products. And I was spitting up products and features. It's how I was trained. It was based, basically doing what I did in the carrier world. It wasn't working in the independent agnostic world. And then a light bulb went off uh, a few years ago. And that light bulb was, what's the, what's the biggest pain point that my broker partners and clients who trust me are having? And it was engagement. So what I realized quickly is that it's not about the destination, it's the journey. Mm -hmm. Let me explain. Okay. So the journey is far more superior and paramount than the destination. The destination, that's the carrier. Are they A-rated? Do they pay their claims? Do they answer the phone? Do they email you back? Uh, are their rates stable? Do you have a long rate lock? Uh, do you like the sales rep you're talking to? That's all the destination. Okay. All right. And don't get me wrong, it's important. Claims have to get paid. But that's frankly minutia compared to the journey. Because why put together health insurance is no different. Why put together the most innovative plan and the most successful plan on earth, medical or what I do for a living, if the employees don't understand it, if the employees don't get it, if they're not going to the right doctors and hospitals, if it's not communicated properly. So the journey is the communication to get them to the destination, which is whatever the product and rate is whether it's employee funded or employer funded is irrelevant at that point. Okay. So I spend, if there's an hour meeting, it doesn't have to be an hour, but if there's an hour meeting with a prospect employer group through a broker, I'll spend 45 minutes of that meeting talking about the journey and we're walking them through how we're gonna really move the needle to get all of their employees, whether it's five or 10 or 20 or our largest group has multiple thousands of employees all across the country, we're going to get those employees to be more engaged in multiple languages using technology so that way the broker has more uh, uh, folks participating in medical insurance and also as night follows day they're going to be interested and end up participating in the enhanced benefit yeah. stuff and the way we communicate it is using um, frankly this cell phone yeah no no. This is the remote control of everybody's daily life oh, in the year yeah. 2023. Okay. This is the remote control. So, yes, it's a cell phone, but too few brokers and advisors and even carriers are, are to this day are still not using it properly. They want you to go download some stupid app. No offense to apps, but that creates work amongst the employee population. Mm -hmm. They have to have their notifications turned on. There's a lot of stuff that has to go right, right? They got to log in. Why not just use the smartphone? Why not use the, the inherent built-in text message feature? Why not um, use, we, we create videos with our employer groups. We'll literally ask the employer groups, and I, we handle it all. Voluntary disruptions does it all. Broker doesn't pay for it. Broker doesn't handle it. Uh, the employer doesn't pay for it. The employer doesn't handle it. We do everything, but we'll have the employer record a video of themselves. It's all scripted. We provide everything. We do the lighting. We do the camera work. We record it for them, wow. and ultimately, when you're an employee and you get a message and it's a 30-second video of your CEO or your HR director saying, we're super excited about this year's benefits, we're adding this, 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 and that, that's more engaging to your employee um, uh, employees than a video of me doing a group meeting holding up a stupid brochure talking about accident insurance. It's dumb. So we're getting the employer engaged, which in turn gets the employee engaged, and we're seeing insane results. Uh, one of my broker partners recently, uh, Chris Wolpert, 
he actually uh, brought us into one of his um, uh, newest newest accounts earlier this year, 2023, uh, 300 lives. When he took over the medical, they only had about 70 people on medical plan. So 300 lives, but only 70 enrolled. On okay. the medical, okay. correct. Um, when we did the enrollment, the way we do enrollments, uh, we more than doubled it. By the end of the enrollment, there were over 180 people on plan for medical. Okay, same people, same just group we took over, 180 people on medical. Uh, so it more than doubled the income he was going to get anyway just for taking it over. And we did hundreds and hundreds of thousands of employee-funded uh, enhanced benefits. No enrollment uh, on site. They're scattered all over the country. All right? No one-on-one -on -one enrollment. Hmm. Nothing mandatory. Yeah. I'll hear that again. Yeah, nothing Nothing mandatory. mandatory. Okay. So no one-on-one -on -one enrollment in site. No mandatory um, uh, call center. We had a voluntary, uh, I call it an on-demand call center. So an on-demand call center that very few people used, actually. It was self-serve using the technology that is at our fingertips that most brokers either don't own or own and don't know how to use. We do it for them. It costs them no money. So in this case... Chris was the broker was going to make this much and in turn he made more than double plus the revenue share on all the enhanced benefits yeah. and he didn't I, I love Chris thank you Chris but he didn't have to do anything except for introduce and let us do what we do yeah and that's one of the things I wanted to touch on and I know that will help us also segue into your consulting business in a moment that we want to touch on but it's like, it's not like you're coming to the table and saying I provide this service in exchange for a fee or in exchange for a commission Correct. it's like I want to actually help you close new business or i want to help you grow existing business and i think that's a really different message to be able to communicate to a broker and that is going to motivate them and inspire them to want to do business with you so I, that was a great example but how sort of more broadly speaking do you feel like you can come in and say hey i'm going to help you pick up new business i'm going to help so, you grow your block of business so after all these years in the business um the most exciting part of my day-to-day -day is helping brokers win new business and the consulting side, which we'll talk about hopefully in a minute. Mm -hmm. So to win new business, let me give you an example, right? So I have a broker partner out of LA, um, LA area, sorry, I should say. Um, and he was literally trying to win a 1,400 person bakery for three years. 1,400 employees scattered all across the uh, Southern uh, California market, kind of not Panera Bread, kind of like a Panera Bread independent type chain, right? Okay. Not Panera Bread. Now, he says, he's like, Eric, I don't know if you can help, but we every year they give us a meeting. Every year we talk to them. Every year they say they're sticking with their current broker. Okay. We're not bringing anything unique enough to close to get the deal. I'm like, okay, get me on the Zoom. I didn't have to fly there. I'm in Baltimore. Get me on the Zoom for an hour. All right. Tell them it's not about accident insurance, not about life insurance, not about disability. It's not about anything except for communication and engagement and how the name of his agency, I haven't talked to him, I don't want to name in case sure. he doesn't like, but how he and his company now do employee engagement. Everything, Spencer, we do is white labeled. So I carry that brokerage's email address. So it's eric at thatbrokerage.com. Really? Okay. Right? So it's all communication is smooth and clean. And I run the uh, national sales for communication engagement. And I happen to be headquartered on the East Coast. We hop on the Zoom. And I spend 45 minutes of an hour talking about communication, engagement, technology. We're going to move the needle. We can handle all their languages. They have three different main languages. English is not a main language. Um, we can do all of that through technology and communication. Costs you nothing. We do all the work. And we'll take over your current self-funded plan. It was already self-funded. We'll take over that. And you're not going to have any noise on that. We'll just start taking that over slowly but surely. And ultimately, we'll implement all of our new systems. 
And at the end of the meeting, the HR director, um, who's since left, they have a new person, but we work with them very well. Um, the HR person's name, uh, Anthony, he literally says, um, where was Eric? Like smiling, but, you know, I know he's new, but we would have moved to you had we um, had we known you had this capability. Yeah. Single-handedly, and I'll steal this from my good friend Kevin Curran over at um, Salt Margin, he always says that his company, and he's a great company, good friend of mine, his company is the grain of salt that tips the scale in favor of a broker winning new business. Yeah. That, to seal his line, is what we are now doing uh, or what I get more excited to do for brokers. I mean, they can they can introduce me to their existing client base. Spencer, to be honest, that's easy. They already, I'm already part of the group. I'm already carrying their email address. If you're a broker and you hire me to take over and you introduce me to your client base and say, Eric's in charge of enrollment, what's the client going to do? Yeah. They're going to say, sounds good. What do I do, Eric? Mm -hmm. That's easy, right? New business is more fun. I use the example like if anybody's ever bought a car and you go to the car dealership and you're trying to get a certain number and the car salesperson says, oh, I don't know if I can get there. Let me talk to my manager. Mm -hmm. Manager comes and sits on the corner of the desk. We all know that we can oh, picture course, it. Yeah. And the car sales guy goes, you drive a hard bargain, but uh, we'll give you that uh, price if you can sign and, and drive out and take delivery today. I'm not trying to be a used car salesperson. But brokers use me in that same verbiage in that I'm just part of the sales process. So they're two, three, four meetings in with the uh, employer. They haven't gotten the BOR yet. The employer hasn't made the decision to switch to them yet. They say, no problem. If we move forward, Mr. Owner, Miss Owner, I want you to understand how we communicate and engage. I want you to understand how we do the enrollment using technology. Let's hop on a Zoom call with our vice president of communication engagement so they can get a pulse and feel for what you do, what you're used to, and you can understand what our methodology is. And that's it. It's that's game it. over at that point. That's very cool. Well, I think that's a good way to kind of re relay this conversation into your consulting business, because I know that's a similar mission that you have with that. So describe to me very quickly, if you don't mind, what is this consulting business that you also uh, do? So uh, I don't know, four or five years ago at this point, um, I'm sitting in a uh, mastermind group that I'm part of. And um, I see a lot of brokers talking about, in a great way, how they're not doing anything but getting a lot of new fee-for-service contracts. They're they're going and winning new business and clients, but they're not taking over the BOR. They don't want the BOR. Instead, they're charging a flat amount per month for consulting fees to give advice on the best medical and the best PBMs and the best this stuff, I don't know, but the best stuff in the industry, right? And I'm sitting there getting frustrated. And I said, you know what? I want a consulting business. How do I do that? I don't know what a consulting business is. I'm like, how do I apply that in what I do and what I know and who I know? And as luck may have it, right, I, I guess, good time, good timing, uh, right place, right time. I had a CEO friend of mine reach out and basically uh, ask me if I knew a few people that were brokers. Uh, I guess his sales team wasn't doing their job the way that they um, should be. I don't mm -hmm. know. And I said, yeah, I happen to know. I'm connected with, you know tens of thousands of people on LinkedIn and social media. I'm pretty active, I'm very vocal. I speak on stages, I write articles, I'm on webinars, uh, I have a podcast, whatever. And I said, um, sure, I can make an introduction. And I did. He messaged me uh, weeks later and he says, hey, I finally met them, we're gonna conduct commerce, they like us, thank you so much. My salespeople have been trying to reach them for years and never got through, but because of your relationship, <laughs> you were able to get us through. Great, no problem, thanks. A few weeks go by, same thing happened. A few weeks go, same thing, same thing, same thing. And I eventually said, look, I love you, right? CEO, business-wise, I love you. You're a nice dude. I love you, brother. But 
I can't keep doing this. It's taking a lot of time. What he didn't know is behind the scenes, I was um, greasing the wheel. I was texting, calling, emailing, giving him a little hint. And then by the time he got on the phone with that broker, the broker already knew a little bit yeah. and was prepped, right? Yeah. And I was doing it pro bono because I didn't know any better. And I said that to him and he goes, oh, absolutely. I don't expect you to work for free. Uh, let's put you on a monthly retainer. What do you charge? And I said, oh, it's complicated. I have no idea. But I said, oh, it's complicated. You know, like, I'll send you a proposal. He's like, yeah, yeah, send it over. I'm racking my brain. I sent him a proposal. I undercharged by a lot, by the way, because I didn't know any better. I had to Google how to be a consultant. Didn't know what I was doing. Um, and he signed within a minute of the email. He's, he emailed back. He's like, I'm adding my chief legal counsel. Uh, we'll drop the paperwork. Let's get started. This is amazing. And that was inherently born my consulting business. So here's what I turned it into today. Okay. You and I have spoken on stages at big conferences. There's so many in there, right? Um, we have, um, we've gone to the conferences and there's always rooms that are six times the size of the room we're in today. And there's table after table, booth after booth of vendors and solution providers, right? Who are trying to meet brokers and sell their product, their service, their carrier insurance, whatever it is. And I'm looking around and I'm like, these folks are spending ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a for a six foot table and a booth, mm -hmm. plus airfare for all their salespeople and their founder, whoever's there, plus travel, plus they're typically taking all the brokers that they want out for a you know a multiple hundreds, thousands of dollars steak dinner, two or three nights during the conference. And Spencer, they're doing it six, eight, ten, twelve, twenty, right. thirty times a year. Right. Right. And I ask every single one of them, what's your ROI? And they say, oh, I don't know, it's hard to measure. And I say, all right, well, let me ask you a question. Let's cut through the noise, okay? Your ultimate goal is to get what with a broker? And business. they say, business. <laughs> and I say, nah, yeah, but in order to get business, what do you need? And I'm not going to, I don't use this word meaning Apple products, right? Although I like Apple. They need FaceTime yeah. with a broker. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So I say, instead of spending 10 grand for this booth, and 3000 on travel and airfare for your two salespeople and, and food and meals, plus another 5000 for three dinners that you take brokers out to that are really just stealing your fancy steak dinner because they're never going to do business with you. And there's no relationship. We've all been there, right? No, I've been on okay. the, the receiving end of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Why don't you cut through the noise? I hire me. I literally, by contract, my consulting clients hire me as a benefits influencer. I'm connected and or have followers, upwards of 70,000 people on social media, uh, LinkedIn specific. Most of them are all benefit people, carriers, um, brokers, advisors, consultants all over the country. Um, I just have a lot of relationship capital. And that's ultimately what my consulting business is about. Cons um, uh, vendors, startups, solution providers, uh, insure tech, companies that need and want to work through brokers. The direct-to-market is not working or they need to augment it and go through brokers because they're getting the Heisman from companies who say, talk to my broker, right? Mm -hmm. They need to meet brokers. I happen to have a ton of relations with brokers and I can open those doors. Sure. And I'm doing a ridiculous amount of technology and uh, other branding uh, help for their marketing department. For companies that are real small, I become the fractional CMO. For companies that have a, a whole marketing department, I literally um, uh, work with them hand in hand. And it is so much fun. They pay me a monthly retainer and I get them results. And you say, well, what's the ROI? How do you know you get results? Tell you how I get results, Spencer. Almost all of them every single year renew and they renew for longer months mm -hmm. and typically more money. Right. That to me, Absolutely. It's not ROI. I can't quantify and say the dollar amount, but why on earth would they continue to renew at a higher amount typically 
if they're not getting results Absolutely. and meeting the people that they hire. Well, and you're also, I presume to. you're creating a, a situation where it's a win-win-win, right? Because if, if it was one-sided where somebody's paying you to get contacts and get introductions to build relationships, but they weren't delivering value to the brokers that they were introduced to, then obviously that would have a short lifespan. So you're, well, are you doing some sort of validation or vetting or like yeah. understanding that business before you ever put your name out there to make a connection for them? Yeah. And I'm not going to name the company or the industry cause it's, 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 um, it's bad business, bad, bad, uh, uh, technique, but there's recent last year, last summer, there were a spring and summer, there was a company that reached out to me, saw me speak at benefits pro. Um, and they were like, I want to work with you. I want you to sell the product the new product entrant to the employee funded market uh, enhanced benefits. I don't know much about it. Ultimately it came down to, I didn't get it. It didn't click. I didn't see yeah. the vision. I didn't understand it. I wasn't a believer. I didn't have conviction about it and I had to pass on the deal. Mm -hmm. And that would have made me tens of thousands of dollars over a um, six month uh, contract. I have a six month minimum. They wanted to pay me and I appreciate them very much. They're listening. God bless. I, I hope the industry takes off and I was wrong. I really do, but I didn't see it. and I still don't see it to this day. Yeah. So I couldn't take them on the Well, That's fair because obviously you have a reputation to uphold and it's relationship capital, in, in relationship capital, right? If you didn't have that relationship capital, people wouldn't approach you in the first place to be able to do that. Right. And so you have to be selective, right? Um, and that's the one thing that I have to balance here because I have a little bit less of a responsibility to validate than you do because I'm not being paid directly um, by anybody that sits on this couch. But I do want to make sure still if I have a conversation with a person or about a business that at least I have a decent understanding of does it actually provide value to the marketplace. Ultimately, the audience, my audience would decide, is that valuable to me or to my own business? I don't make that judgment on their behalf. But I do want to still make sure that just not anybody and everybody gets to hop on the couch because they ask at the same time. Correct. ClaimDoc is a medical claim auditing and member advocacy company. We provide fiduciary services to employer-sponsored benefit plans, allowing them to create an environment where we ensure that the benefit plans are being charged in a fair and reasonable basis. My business is basically people, and it's become a real simple transition. We thought it was gonna be far more complex. I've saved, we'll say, hundreds of thousands of dollars I could not say enough about claim doc. Correct. And you know, I got to tell you, ma'am, um, you know, that's the two main businesses. Uh, I spent a lot of time with my family. Um, but by all means, um, I have a podcast as yeah, well. Please, I was hoping we could promote but, the podcast. But, yeah, but, yeah. I, but uh, dude, I mean, it, it's, it's almost embarrassing to talk about because I love my podcast. I enjoy this conversation with my guests. I 100% of them are virtual. I started it during the pandemic. I've always wanted to do it. The name of the podcast is Rockstars Rockin'. Rockin'. The premise is I forever, since I've been in business, since an intern, I don't know where it came from, and I'm not unique to this, but I always, you know, a lot of people are like, great job, bud, good job, dude, go get them, tiger. I've always just called people rock stars. Rock stars, yeah. Hey, man, great job, rock star. You're amazing. You you lit it up. You, you, you crushed it, rock star. So you're, here's the premise. The guests are the rock stars rocking. They're doing great. They're crushing their business, their life, their daily mm -hmm. goals. They're having fun doing it. They're changing the, their industry, their impact, their world. Um, 90 plus percent are insurance benefit type folks because that's my network. But I've had on uh, a few different um, Shark Tank guests that were amazing. Very cool. I've had on, uh, I literally had on a rock band, my uh, one of the bands that I grew up watching uh, in college that nobody it? knows, nobody cares about. Who love the, love him. Uh, it's a band by the name of uh, Pat McGee Band. 
Not familiar. Yep. Doesn't matter. They signed with Atlantic. They were uh, they never got up there. They were on the radio a little bit, but they never took off. But I love them. It was a college band. My wife and I. Well, I we've seen them a million times, and I invited them on the show. I had to have a real rock star, at least one, on my show. Ah. Um, so my point is, I left it as not something branded to the industry. It's mostly industry, yeah. but I wanted that latitude for people that I find interesting. And I love that you do that as well. Yeah. You don't always, most of them are, but you two don't always have insurance benefit people on. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's unique that we do it that way. And um, check it out, rockstarsrockin.com. Uh, every episode is on YouTube. You can check it out, Spotify, Amazon. Say, hey, Alexa, play the Rockstars Rockin podcast, just like it would for yeah. you. Um, my podcast is all virtual, it's different. And I am not as committed as you, and that's okay. And, and I'll tell you one thing for anybody listening that is thinking about or wants to start a podcast, and I don't know if you'd agree, but I hope you do. Mm. Um, when I started it, I breathed it, and it consumed me, and I let it own me and my schedule. Oh, really? And it was affecting my day-to-day -day yeah, real income. I can see how that happened. Yeah. And I took a deep breath and stepped back and talked to one of my coaches. Um, in fact, Ryan Miller, uh, one of my coaches. Uh, shout out to Ryan. You're keeping the he's, seat warm for he's, him. He's he, going to be sitting here next. There you go. Yeah. He, he's amazing. Anybody that um, uh, is 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 looking to excel and grow their business to the next level, uh, contact our boy Ryan. But I talked to Ryan, and I realized I was letting it consume me. Yeah. And I, I tend to do that with a lot of things. So I had to take a deep breath. I want to do weekly podcasts, and I, for the most part, I'm good at that. But I needed to realize that during fourth quarter, my clients and my business of and course. my income mattered most. So I typically have taken a hiatus for a few weeks at a time during fourth quarter mostly. And it's so refreshing not to let the podcast run and own me, mm -hmm. but for me to run and own it. And I still enjoy it. Well, and see, I'm at that phase and I'm glad we had this mastermind uh, yeah, because you've set a really good precedent and example of how you can accomplish uh, what you said that the delineating between being owned or owning the podcast, sort of buying back your time and let right. it run the most efficiently, still produce a quality product, but it's not, uh, you know, consuming your time as much as exactly. it was. Um, and I'm at that step, right? I have to, there's, that's the last box for me to check as well. And I appreciate sort of setting the example. The last thing I want to say is if you don't mind is you said you mentioned 70 plus thousand followers on LinkedIn. You've been a pretty impressive job of cultivating a following and you had one tactic that you did kind of early on uh, that I'd like for you to share because I, I, I had the same conversation with Chris Wolpert last episode. It's like, you don't have to overcomplicate these things. So what was the thing that you did to sort of garner or garner a following early on? So I mentioned early on that I had to um, unskin myself from the carrier, I'm reco recovering carrier rep, right? So what I, uh, by accident, here's the quick story. I know we're almost done, but check this out. I wrote an article about an employee benefit advisor magazine. It was fun. I'm sitting at the kitchen table with my then roughly six-year-old daughter, all right, Dylan, um, and we're eating breakfast, getting ready for school, and the news is on in the background, right? Um, and the newscaster literally said, uh, and go get your cupcakes today. Uh, today's National Cupcake Day. Anyway, uh, stay tuned for weather on the hour or whatever. I don't know. So I didn't even hear it. I didn't even pay attention. And she's six. So she goes, huh, National Cupcake Day? Right. And I'm like, huh, what? She goes, can we have a cupcake? And she told me what I missed because I wasn't paying attention to it. And I was like, sure, yeah, go to school. Absolutely. I'll, we'll get cupcakes tonight. And we did. Didn't think anything of them. Next day, right, she eating breakfast, she says, what's today? And I don't know if it was Thursday, but my sarcastic ass said, Thursday? And she goes, no, 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 what's today's day? She goes, yesterday was National Cupcake Day. And I was like, oh, 
I, I, I don't know. So I pulled out the remote control of my daily life and I Googled today's day and it happened to be whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And every day for weeks and weeks, she needed to know what the national day was. And come to find out there's a national day, like eight or 10 or 12 different national days every day of the entire year, wow. you name it. So I thought it was silly and fun and, and personal, right? And authentic. And I posted a story about it on LinkedIn. And I had tens of thousands I'm of sure views. That blew up. It yeah, blew yeah, up, yeah, right? Yeah, it yeah. was like, that's so fun. Oh, go blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. I did it again. I did it again. Before I knew it, I was posting whatever the national day is, 365 days a year. I did it for like four years straight. Wow. I stopped doing it. But to this very day, when I go to a conference, somebody will literally pull me aside and say, what's today's national day? Mm -hmm. They might not know what voluntary disruption is. They might not know what Rockstar's Rocket is. Mm -hmm. But my personal brand is forever associated with the national day. Mm -hmm. um, why is that okay? Why is that good? Because that truly helped put me on the map with respect to fun and being myself, being authentic, as Ryan Miller mm -hmm. will say. Um, and uh, and I don't mind it. I could be known and, and called a lot of things and known for a lot of things. And I'm okay with being the National Day guy. Yeah, no, I love that too. And that's I'll, I said it last episode. I'll reinforce it again because it's true for you. It's true for true for Chris Wolpert. It's true for Reed Rasmussen. You are the guy that does X. And they create this association in your mind, like, oh, Eric is the national day guy. I don't know what he does. What do you do? Like, but it creates that curiosity in their mind to want to ask you, right? And if you don't have that, even as silly and as simple as that seems, then you're sort of anonymous instead, right? And so I, not everybody has to go replicate it exactly, do exactly what you guys did, but there's something to the simplicity of that that I think people should understand. Social media is not as complex as sometimes it looks from the outside It leads in. to conversations. Yeah, it leads to conversations. Because they'll yeah. say, National Day, what, what do you do anyway? Yeah. Right, podcasts are no different. At the end of every podcast, people always say to me, they don't know, a lot of them don't, what do you do for a living? Are you yeah. a podcaster? And it just leads to conversations. And you go, well, it just so happens, I actually, and then it, it hopefully leads to a, just a conversation, conversation about business. Yeah. Well, Eric, I know we got a busy day today, and I really appreciate the fact that we finally got to do this, man. Uh, so keep rocking, uh, rock star Eric Silverman. <laughs> Thanks for sitting on the Orange Couch, man, and we'll do it again sometime down the road. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. My pleasure.